Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with me is our other co-host. This is Drew. What's up, everybody? Hey, hey. hey everyone. So tonight, with this past week, we saw the end of WandaVision. So we thought that tonight, me and Drew, we would go over to the show in retrospect, you know, an autopsy or a wandopsy, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> wand topsy wand that something that you're gonna try and get trademarked and put on a t-shirt also albert i i'm i'm gonna start with an extreme and work backwards so i'm gonna have it tattooed on my chest okay okay and uh and and that will show people my commitment to the wand topsy yeah dude <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that man you gotta <laughs> Take some photos of the tattoo and put it on the exactly. Instagram. And once people get in on it, uh, once they see uh, how committed we are to it, then we'll make merch. Yeah. I, I would buy a shirt if you get a tattoo on your chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, may have opened a door to something quite bad. <laughs> Anyways, so in brief, we'll go over a brief spoil-free version of the WandaVision show. So those of you who who don't know what a WandaVision is and just uh, want some general idea of what the show is about, we'll we'll go into that before we 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 totally break it down and do our Wandopsy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so at the end of Infinity War, we see that Thanos, in claiming all of the Infinity Gems or Stones, what you will, ended up destroying the Vision in order to to get the Infinity Stone. And in Endgame, we see the... Uh, okay, spoilers for Endgame and Infinity War, by the way. <laughs> but in Endgame, what we see was that the heroes were able to use the infinity stones that they collected from across the uh, time stream, and they were able to return all of the missing heroes, including Wanda Maximoff, not not currently known as the Scarlet Witch, but Wanda Maximoff, right? But what we do notice uh, when we were watching the film was that Vision remained dead. He did not return. And at the beginning of WandaVision, we see that Wanda and Vision are alive and well, and they're living their best life in this uh, black and white TV sitcom world that has a laugh track, and it's just kind of got very quaint, even corny problems that are reminiscent of something like the Dick Van Dyke show. In fact, the opening sequence for that episode could be a homage to the Dick Van Dyke show, if you've ever seen that. But it's it's like an old black and white early sitcom comedy. Right off the bat, we as the viewer have a lot of questions because Vision's live and Wanda is there. And why is it a sitcom? What's going on? And as the show progresses, we see that each episode is dedicated to a different era of television so in the second season, we see that the show has evolved a little bit, but it pays homage to uh, to shows like Bewitched and I Love Lucy. And again, with each 
episode we we see that there's a progression in the in the timeline of the show so it's like each episode uh homages a different decade of sitcom exactly exactly so so again as the viewer there's a lot of questions going on we're not really sure what it is we're watching initially i feel like that's really all you need for the spoil-free version of the show there's just it's it's kind of mysterious watching Wanda and the Vision and wondering why they're still alive and why they're in a sitcom. If you're coming to this with a fresh perspective, not having watched the show yet, that seems to be the superficial mm-hmm. uh, description of the show. Do you, is there anything that I'm missing that you feel should be added or needs to be mentioned, Drew? No, I think that's a good summary. Uh, everything else... I believe we will touch upon in greater detail as we dive into the spoilers. But I I do have a question uh, going back to Endgame, and maybe other people might have the same question also. But when the Hulk uses the assembled Infinity Gauntlet to snap all of the dead heroes and people back into existence or i guess essentially he's bringing them back to life from the moment that they were killed yeah would you call that moment heroes reborn or heroes return who i would probably call it heroes return personally i would call it heroes return because heroes reborn sucked (laughs) is this just a, a long way for you to set that up (laughs) <laughs> so that you could say that was was that your like circuitous method of getting to that point <laughs> no i was genuinely curious what you thought <laughs> well heroes reborn did suck for those of you who don't know about comics there was an era called heroes reborn where a lot of the main big name superheroes died and they were reborn in a pocket universe but they were just drawn by just bad artists and written by equally bad writers (laughs) (laughs) and when they ended that era of uh, comics it was called heroes return yeah so that's neither here nor there in relation to this particular uh episode of the podcast but i would call it heroes return thanks man for answering my question one more one more question though sure and i'm just playing a kind of a devil's advocate or not well not devil's advocate i'm i'm more playing like the man on the street here but okay how come when the hulk brought everyone back how come he couldn't bring the vision back i would say that part of what so in order for them to create the vision part of the process involved having the actual infinity stone as it it was a core part of his being you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i don't think that the infinity stone in the gauntlet could replicate itself like i'm I'm pretty sure they established that that was a rule that they couldn't do so you know they couldn't bring him back not not the way that they knew him anyways you know so Mm -hmm. it would have just been i I guess it would have been a paradox of sorts it, for all we know, it could have ripped the very foundations of uh, reality if they had attempted it. Right. Okay. That's satisfactory. I was yeah. also going to ask if you thought that it was just because the Hulk hated the Vision. 
He probably does. He's constantly eyeballing Wanda, and he's like, <laughs> I want to give her a piece of the big green, you know? And I can't do that if her metal man is around. I just want to, uh, I just want to, you know, give her a piece of the big green stinky thing. <laughs> is that what's called? <laughs> I met, if I was the Hulk, that's what I would call it. The big green stink. <laughs> Do you think when the Hulk brought everybody back, did he bring back the people who did not necessarily get snapped away, but died immediately as a result of the snap? Like, let's say, for example, an airplane pilot piloting a commercial flight. So let's say the pilots were snapped, but some passengers remained on the plane. That plane goes down and crashes, killing everybody on board because the pilots got snapped away. Do you think that the Hulk brought the people <laughs> back, the ones who died on the plane? I just imagine that they returned back in whatever location they were in when they disappeared. So if they were in a plane in midair, I just imagined a bunch of people reappearing <laughs> thousands of feet above the sky and just plummeting to their deaths. So really... It was not a favor that he was doing to those people. <laughs> the passengers who didn't get snapped, they stayed dead. And the pilots who did get snapped, they just appeared in the air and then fell to their deaths. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. But, but here's the thing. I have a feeling that might actually be the case. Because in, in Spider-Man, they called it the blip. But when the blip happened and everyone reappeared... I got the impression that they reappeared exactly in the spot that they were at. And I have a hard time believing that while Thanos is attacking the Earth and they just have to uh, use the gauntlet snap to bring everybody back before he can, you know, do before he can get the gauntlet. And while everything's on fire because he's just attacking from space, I'm pretty sure the Hulk didn't take the time to think out his instructions to the gauntlet, right? Well, you have Other to also than... remember that Thanos didn't attack until after Hulk snapped. When Hulk used the gauntlet, they were in a That's calm true. situation. That's true. But you're right. In, in Spider-Man Far From Home, they did show that the people that got snapped appeared right where they were. Like the, There was yeah. that scene where the high schoolers were playing a basketball game and all of a sudden all these other kids that had been snapped five years ago suddenly yeah. appeared on the court causing yeah. chaos. Yeah. So, so yeah, it'd be weird to think of all these people just popping up in the sky. Yeah. Falling to their deaths. I, I like, I have a hard time imagining, you know, it's kind of like a monkey's paw situation or like a genie in a lamp where it's like, <laughs> you have to be very specific about your wish. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but i don't think they were that specific about it to be perfectly honest and um, so you don't think the hulk was smart enough to be specific? i think the hulk killed a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> i think he just murdered a lot of people like if there were people that they were hoping would come back they they might rethink that wish if they had known that they would come back only to plummet thousands of feet because that's a pretty horrible way to die. <laughs> it kind of feels like falling 4,000 feet to your death would be a worse way to die than to get snapped. Yeah, I would rather, like, you know, disappear in a wistful mist of dust than... <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, 
like I don't even think that it was painful. Like when 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 the people were turning to dust, it really looked like they just were fighting the fact that they were they were fighting the fear of the idea that they wouldn't exist anymore. But yeah. it didn't seem like it was in an immense amount of pain. Yeah, that's true. You know, they weren't really crying out in agony or anything. Exactly, exactly. So I would take that over falling to my death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the Hulk's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's maybe that'll be part of the premise of She-Hulk, the TV <laughs> series, because Jen Walters is a lawyer. Yeah. And maybe she'll have to defend her cousin. In, yeah. <laughs> from you know war crimes or something <laughs> yeah i wonder if they ever will uh address that that'd be uh, well you know what i'm not the kind of fan who needs them to address that if i had to be perfectly honest because uh this might be a bad example i have my ear to pop culture there's constantly stuff about how jk rowling goes back and she makes the effort to try to make sense of everything uh in her universe and mm -hmm. quite honestly like it just makes a lot of weird it just opens the door up for more questions and it's it's unnecessary and i'd much rather they not do it and i would prefer that it's it's much easier for me to accept that the hulk killed a bunch of people <laughs> yeah <laughs> sounds like pepper agrees yeah she does <laughs> she is uh she's just showing her, her support for hulk the murderer <laughs> What kind of observations did you have, Drew, when you were watching the show? When I was watching WandaVision, I think I came to it with a pretty open mind from all the different promos and the trailers and the commercials that had been leading up to it. We knew that it was going to take place in a sitcom kind of world. So when they put out the first two episodes, I watched those and saw that it pretty much was a straightforward 50s sitcom, you know? Like, they didn't really do too much to tie it into the MCU. They didn't really bend over backwards to throw in a bunch of connections or references to, to the movies. It did feel fairly self-contained. What we saw was, like you said earlier, Wanda and Vision just enjoying their best life. And apparently their best life was the Dick Van Dyke show or I Love Lucy or Leave It to Beaver. Oh, well, should we clarify? I mean, at, at this point, what we talk about is pretty much going to be no holds bar. We're just going to go into full spoiler territory at this point. Yeah, yeah. This is the, the autopsy. <coughs> the, yeah, what would you call it? The, the wantopsy? Yeah, wantopsy. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> uh, or we could call it the vicious section. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. I like that. The wantopsy and the vision section. <laughs> vision section. <laughs> okay, so I think uh, a lot of those shows in the post-World like World War II era, well, I, I, I'd even go as far as to say like the, the general concept of sitcoms are meant to portray a pretty perfect world in which, and this is something that I've heard often uh, when, when I've watched you know, YouTube channels discussing and um, breaking down sitcoms and stuff. But the thing about sitcoms is they're insipid 
and they tend to be this world where all of the problems are solved within the window of 22 minutes you know Mm -hmm. so it kind of makes sense that symbolically their best life is portrayed as a sitcom in that although on the surface it's this really picture-perfect existence it, it it lacks substance to some degree right yeah yeah i can see that yeah there's a sense that those kind of shows lack substance because at the end of the day the status quo is always gonna remain the same exactly like whatever whatever problem that they do have like you said it's gonna be resolved in 22 minutes so exactly at the end of those 22 minutes it's just gonna revert to whatever it was at the beginning of the show so yeah especially in those early decades of sitcoms i kind of watched a lot of stuff like i love lucy and yeah definitely leave it to beaver when i was a kid because even even though that those shows were really old by the time we were kids for some reason i don't know why but i was just drawn to them those would be the kind of shows that like if it was the summer and i wasn't at school they would just show those in the afternoon so i'd yeah. be watching them on tv all the time so i got a lot of memories fond memories as a kid just watching leave it to beaver and i love lucy the thing that you see in those is that there's very little ongoing character development very little it's not serialization or anything so it's kind of like scooby-doo where everything you can watch any episode and every episode uh stands on its own you don't really need to watch anything else but you can if that's enough to satisfy you then that one episode will be enough yeah i mean i actually had a different if not similar experience than you uh in that uh i remember that i remember i love lucy being on tv as well all the time Mm -hmm. but the thing for me was i don't know if it was like summer vacation or what but there'd be times where i'd be at home and there'd be nothing else to watch and by default i love lucy was the show to watch just because I didn't want to watch a court show. I didn't really yeah. have interest in um, infomercials, you know, in chips or <laughs> infomercials. So by default, like I Love Lucy was the only thing to have on. Or daytime talk shows. Yeah, and I wasn't interested in those. Well, maybe a little, but <laughs> <laughs> like some of those are a mess, man. Some of those are a mess. Yeah. So, anyways, um. What Yeah, what I was going to say was I was going to mention that back to the point of how, you know, the these sitcoms exist in a world where all their problems are solved in 20 minutes or or in, you know, 25 minutes or less or whatever, right? Like, you can I, – I, I couldn't tell you how many episodes there are where uh, – of, of a show like Full House or something where someone gets exposed to drugs – uh, there was one episode of Full House where... Uh, a very special I, episode. Yeah, it was a very special episode where Stephanie Tanner finds out that a school... That a kid in her school has a, a, a an abusive father that beats him. And at the end of the episode, they don't ever... You know, in the, by the time the next episode comes along, nobody's addicted to drugs. And that kid that, <laughs> you know, was beaten by his dad, he's all fine now. And it's just like the, the real world doesn't work like that. I'm... I'm pretty sure that, you know, drug addiction is kind of a it's something that stays with you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point, man. 
So it, it was pretty clever and interesting for them to use the sitcom as their delivery system for this show. Did the sitcom episodes work for you? Because I know when the first couple episodes came out, there were a lot of people online and, you know, I mean, I guess even some of my other friends, too, who are like, this is weird. When When is something going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. I... I, I heard the exact same thing. Uh, a lot of people were uncertain as to what they were watching. And uh, I even one of my coworkers was talking with me and he was telling me that they would have commercials and he didn't even know if those were real commercials or part of the thing, uh, part of the show. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, you thought those were commercials from a Disney sponsor? Yeah. Yeah. My, my coworker thought that. I thought... I uh, well, when he mentioned he was it, really this, into the show. He was completely immersed in it. Then that's funny. Uh, not quite. I I think it was more just he didn't know what he was looking at. He was very confused. Like I don't I don't oh. think he was immersed in it. It wasn't a, a question of immersion. Strange. Yeah. Well, let me put it this way. I when I put myself in the perspective of someone who isn't accustomed to television. That sort of abstract storytelling, I could I could see what their confusion was, especially since the whole thing was was kind of disorienting. Uh, jumping in right there, like right from that first episode, I I could see how someone would really not know what to make of what it is that they're watching. But you know, to your original question, I would say that those sitcom elements of the show, uh, the, especially those first two or three episodes i i'd actually say that i was uh more on board with that if only because of my background in comics so uh, you know we mentioned earlier as, as the show progresses that each episode takes place in a different era of television so it jumps by approximately like decades you know you kind of have a show in the 50s 60s era and then the, the show after that, uh, episode after that, takes place in the 60s, maybe 70s-ish era. And then it goes 70s, 80s television, up to the 90s, to the to the 1000s even, you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe even 2010s. I'm not... Yeah, I, I would even say it goes even as far up as the 2010s, when, mm-hmm. now that I think about it. I think having read a lot of pretty different comics and seen similar devices as that used to to pretty good effect in comics. I, I do think that that was one of the elements of the show that had they decide to just go full on wild with that concept and just make the entire uh, series this like weird meta journey, I, I think I would have been on board with that uh, even more so than what we actually did get, quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you too. I'm I'm right there with you, man. Because yeah. those sitcom episodes, even though a lot of people were impatient for something I'm using to happen, square quotes here, things yeah. to happen. You know, yeah. I enjoyed those episodes more than the finales, like the last couple episodes when. Yeah. Well, definitely the the last episode. I I felt that the sitcom episodes. Yeah. They were they were just more. Engaging to my mind. Oh yeah. Okay, I yeah. thought you were talking. Yeah. No, the, the sitcom episodes were more engaging to my mind because yeah, 
there's the whole meta aspect of yeah. them being a homage to the different decades of sitcoms. Yeah. And even though we grew up in the 80s and 90s, there's still a sense of familiarity with older shows too because we watched tons of reruns when we were kids. We kind of see that it language. It wasn't completely foreign to us. Yeah, it wasn't completely yeah. foreign to us. And it was kind of fun just to see those things play out. Even even stuff like the fake advertisements or commercials that played in the middle of the episodes. Yeah. Like, I remember that one about the... I forget what... I don't, I don't even remember exactly what the product was. But there was that one commercial where... I think it was in the 70s episode where the lady... In the in the commercial was super overwhelmed by all these things that were spilled that were spilling and, and like just her her life was going crazy. <laughs> yeah. And and just the way that they filmed it, it just felt like an authentic old commercial, you know. Yeah. Or that one commercial from from the '90s episode where it was kind of like claymation and it was a dude who was uh I forget uh stuck on a stuck on an island or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that one made me laugh too. And it, yeah. it totally reminded me of like a fruit snack commercial from the '90s or something it like that. It reminded me of like Gushers or yeah. fruit roll-ups or uh, Capri Suns. It, it totally had that style of just like extreme, like where the theme of the entire commercial was just like how extreme it was. Yeah, and, exactly. <laughs> you know, it was, it was but, over the top, but it also felt like it would have perfectly fit as a sincere '90s commercial if it had been yeah. in the '90s. Yeah. As someone who watches a lot of TV, a lot of these things were, if not authentic, they were true to what they were mimicking. <laughs> yeah, you know? and that's what I thought made those episodes interesting. They were more, Yeah, I guess I would say, uh, comparatively speaking, they were more artistically executed. Yeah. Because <clears throat> that, that last episode kind of degenerated into just two people flying around shooting energy blasts at each other and... That, yeah. That's rarely something that captures my attention. I think, yeah. No, I agree. Like, I think that in and of itself is not enough for me to be fully engaged in in, yeah. in whatever I'm watching. Because, um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of shows where they can put money into the special effects and, you know, you know I'm... Uh, okay, let's take Avatar as an example, but uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people that enjoyed that, but that was just kind of meaningless drivel to me, <laughs> quite honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, it It, it was... I, I would have preferred if the show had been more bizarre, if anything. Uh, like, yeah. I, I agree with you in the sense that it really takes... Part of the fun of the experience of those first two episodes was um, was the mystery element of it, was trying to understand what was happening, what was going on, and mm-hmm. to make a to make a uh, not well, okay. Yeah, for me, though, those two episodes, those first two episodes, part of the fun was definitely trying to understand uh, what what I, what it was that I was observing and what, what the bigger picture was. But in addition to that, like, 
when I yeah like when when I think about how if they had gone just all out and made this like a bizarre meta meta journey like there Mm -hmm. is something about that even now that tickles my brain uh yeah because it would have been like an entire experience where all nine episodes would have just been um just been not nonsense but it would have been hard to uh put together what it is you were watching and it i guess i'm not a writer but if i i guess i'd have to say from like a quote-unquote writer's perspective or a wannabe writer's perspective um it'd be the exercise of breaking down all of the various symbolic elements in order to make sense of what the what the narrative of the show is right yeah yeah so i agree yeah it would have been like i can't help but look at it and think that this could have been a show that was on par with reading doom patrol by grant morrison you know yeah that's i think in my perfect world that's what the show would have been like (laughs) yeah definitely something more along the unconventional side something that takes the trappings of the typical superhero concept but does something different with it something atypical yeah and and i i now that i'm talking about it with you i guess there is a part of me that's a little disappointed with it even though i understand that it's disney and they had to do something that overall had to appeal to the masses something that sold so i guess i shouldn't expect more from them than that which is yeah pretty backhanded now that i think about it but no um, i respect your backhandedness man you're good at it (laughs) thank you thank you if uh if mickey mouse was here i would smack him with my pimp hand (laughs) (laughs) my point being though that go ahead oh i was just gonna say that i was I will say that secretly, uh, well, not so secretly because I'm about to tell everybody, but deep down inside, I think I took extra glee from knowing that other people didn't like the first couple episodes. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah. going to lie, man. That that makes me enjoy them even more, just to know yeah. that there were a lot of people that were like, what is this? <laughs> Nothing's happening. Yeah. That, it it, it is something i find irksome as well sometimes and it's just like i i don't know what to tell people like that even my friends where i'm just like yeah i think i don't think you should watch this one episode especially since it's intended as a mini series and take that one episode as uh everything you need to know about the show like, the only way that it makes sense to judge something like that is to judge it as a complete work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at least from my perspective. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think the other thing that disheartens me a little is the fact that... So they're coming out with these three shows, uh, these three miniseries. They, they have WandaVision, they have captain uh they have a a falcon and the winter soldier and they have loki right so they have these three shows and if you've seen the trailers for the three shows 
it's pretty it's pretty obvious that they all that all three of them strike very different tones and they're meant to do or they're meant to appeal to very or not necessarily very different groups but they're definitely meant to appeal to different sensibilities mm-hmm. and i yeah and i think the that's the thing that stings a little for me is that wandavision could have been this really bizarre um you know meta journey through emotions and grief uh you know through through grief and uh self-exploration right Mm-hmm. And the the second show that they've got coming out is gonna be uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and that's a much more straightforward action oriented show. And then they have Loki, which is another kind of looks like a goofy comedy sort of show. So you know they have these three different shows going on, and I think in my mind I was like, well, they already have the thing that's meant to appeal to the uh conventional Masses. comic book fan mass base fan base you know <laughs> which was yeah. the the falcon and the winter soldier which was just a much more uh straightforward action series so i i guess my wishful thinking was that i was hoping that uh wandavision was gonna go no holds bar into the territory of the just bizarre yeah yeah uh, yeah, totally understand that feeling, man. I, I want to touch on something that you brought up uh, just a moment ago, though. But the idea of the show as an exploration of grief and uh, self-actualization or self-discovery—I uh, thought that was also an interesting element of the show. That that and the the elements about grief as well as the sitcom aspect; those were probably my two favorite things about the show yeah there there is this i I do think that if we watch those sitcom episodes carefully there is a character development that that happens but you just have to look at how the characters uh i guess it's more subtle but yeah seeing you get to see what wanda what makes wanda happy what makes vision happy and the things that they enjoy and and like there's kind of this i guess if you're already invested in the characters there's an element of catharsis to it like Mm -hmm. if if you're somebody who's never watched a single marvel movie and you watch this show i really have no idea what you would think Uh, i'm guessing that it would mean nothing to you (laughs) yeah i it's something where well, first of all, like it's it's tied to the to Wanda and Vision's story, and if you've never seen any of the the movies, uh, you might not know. Well, I I guess they do explain what their relationship is towards the end, uh, in 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 yeah, more clear I mean, they terms. Explain it but throughout the if you watch yeah. the series, they'll explain it throughout. So, yeah, but yeah. you don't have the the years of them living investment. yeah you don't have the years <laughs> yeah. of investment however if you think about it even in the movies that we did get yeah and i rewatched a bunch of the movies fairly recently yeah but even in the movies that we did get starting with age of ultron when wanda and the vision are both introduced they don't actually have too much time 
on screen that's where true their relationship true. is depicted there's I, I agree. there's really just the the main thing that stands out is the scene a couple scenes in civil war captain america mm-hmm. civil war when they're at the uh at avengers headquarters and they're having some quiet moments there you see that they do care for each other but after that you know they they end up on opposing sides and then the next time we see them both is in infinity war and at that they've point they've run away together yeah they've run away together they're, or they're just stealing moments together uh in between missions and stuff so a lot of the stuff that happens in their relationship occurs off panel or i guess in this case off screen because we're talking about film yeah. and television so it's off screen yeah. and you kind of just have to use your imagination to fill in the blanks yeah but as long as you're able to to do that you know it, it i think it's easier with in this case because with the movies years pass in between the movies and i think for the most part it's generally understood that the amount of time that passes in between the mcu flicks yeah that amount of time also passes within the story internally. Yeah. So it's believable just, for us as the viewer yeah, exactly. to, to believe that the passage of time has occurred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. you, in some sense, I suppose you do have to use your imagination that they yeah. do have this really strong bond and a really strong love for one another. And that's what, that's the impetus for Wanda to, I suppose you would say for her to go mad with grief and yeah. cause the hex to happen over the city well, and, and cause all this stuff to happen. Yeah. Should we like, should we give a brief just description of, well, basically a, a spoiler, spoilful description of what we're talking about at this point, just so, you know, uh, people can, kind of follow the the thread of logic that we that we go down when when we uh when we do our observations yeah just spoil away man okay so so it turns out that what has been happening all along uh is that wanda was basically so mad with grief from the death of uh, from from realizing that, well, okay, she started out pretty depressed about the fact that the vision was gone, and she was dealing with it in whatever ways that she could, and one of her coping mechanisms ultimately manifested in this hexagonal, I don't know, like dome that she places over this small new jersey uh neighborhood and what ends up happening is you know she just wanted to believe in her perfect life so much uh that she her powers transformed this entire town into this perfect sitcom world so Mm -hmm. over the course of the series what you're seeing is her like living her life but at the same time like there are fractures in her reality where she momentarily comes back to um, comes back to uh, like I want to say her senses or 
or pops out of her character within the show. Mm-hmm. And there are also these weird little glitches that go on. So, you know, this this whole town is basically held hostage by her um, and her powers in order for her to live out this perfect fantasy life with vision and um but while all that's going on uh forces outside in the government uh in in this new agency called sword uh do you happen to know what that stands for i think in the show they said it stood for uh sentient weapons i forget the rest of it observation research and development or research and defense or something which is okay. different from the comics because in the comics it's sentient worlds and yeah. in the comics sword is an organization that doesn't seek out weapons on earth but it's a, an organization similar to shield except it's yeah. supposed to protect the planet from the yeah. outer space threats because in the marvel universe in the comics there's well even in the mcu there's tons of aliens out there yeah my understanding was that well I, I I don't know what the uh basis or what 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 the full um like I don't know like what sword looks like in in the uh MCU but my understanding in the comics is sword is a essentially a sister organization to shield like they mm-hmm. they kind of work um not necessarily hand in hand but they cover each other's blind spots or they you know they focus on different areas of uh of defense yeah sword is about the defense from extraterrestrial threats yeah and shield is the the uh, sword is the space-based counterpart to shield exactly exactly deals with threats within the planet yeah on the planet and sword is the sentient world observation and response department. Yeah. In the so, comics. Yeah, in the comics. So in WandaVision, this is the first time they introduced Sword. Uh, this is the you know, first. To, to be honest, I think when I saw the end of Spider-Man: Far From Home, I thought Nick Fury was in Sword. I thought he was at the peak. Was he? That, you know that, that was what I thought, but this show showed me that I was incorrect. Oh. Maybe I gotta watch that again. I forgot you know what it, happened at the end of the, Far From the end Home. It's been a while. When we learned the end credit scene of Far From Home. We see that the Nick Fury and the Maria Hill throughout the whole movie were uh, the two scrolls. I forget their names, but they were the scrolls from Captain Marvel. Talos or Talos and and his wait, wife, I think. They weren't. Wait, they weren't scrolls all along. They were just the ones in the movies were the scroll in the in Far From Home were the scrolls, right? Yeah, the, okay. the the ones in Far From Home. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Nick Fury and Maria Hill in Far From Home were scrolls all along. Okay. In the movie, and then we see the real Nick Fury at the in the end credits, and he's in this space platform or some kind of ship in outer space, and I thought that was supposed to be the peak. Well, what makes you think that it wasn't? Or what makes you uh, second guess that that thought? Oh, Cause, well, because we see cause that. Because now that sword. you mention it, now that you mention it, now that I think about it, I think I got that same uh, impression yeah, too. But, but now that we've seen Wandavision, we know that Sword in the MCU 
is not the sentient world observation and response department. It's the sentient weapon something or other. Oh, okay. It's, it's, so it's not like a space-based organization, which makes sense because the stuff that they were doing in WandaVision, you wouldn't really see the sword in the comics be doing stuff like that. That's true. There's no reason for them to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Well, yeah. So in the show, uh, this was the first time we see sword as an organization organization and um they're exploring this phenomena of the hex that uh wanda has placed around this small uh neighborhood and um as the show progresses it's revealed that they they actually were the ones who were holding Vision's body, and it was it was Wanda going to see the body of Vision that uh, triggered her emotional breakdown and got her to leave the uh, the the site that she was at and to go to this small plot of land in this small New Jersey neighborhood where she discovered that the vision had bought a home or they had bought this bottom plot of land for the two of them. And, you know, the combination of seeing his, um, deconstructed body in a laboratory and the, the final note that he ever wrote to her just pushed her over the edge and, she exhibited this huge show of power that altered this entire neighborhood and more or less just enslaved all the people in this neighborhood so that she could live out her fantasy. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty twisted. If you think about it, pretty sinister thing to do. Not really the type of thing that one would expect a superhero to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's even a scene later on when, uh, you know, as her hold on this city begins to break down, where some of the residents of the neighborhood break out of character and... They regain their own minds. They regain their own minds, and they just make pleas with her to... to, Some of them just want to be released. Some of them just want to know about their family members, if if they're doing okay, if they can, uh, like... There was that one woman, I forgot her name, but she was just like, I have a daughter, she's upstairs in the room, I just want to know if she's fed. You can make her part of the fantasy, she could be the bully for one of your kids or something. <laughs> like, it, it was a pretty, yeah. like, messed up little moment, because could you imagine that? Like, just begging this woman who's basically taken control of the minds of everyone in this city, and just begging her to, like get your daughter to play any role in this just so that she can be there, you know? Yeah, uh, that's a pretty savage thing to do. Yeah. Taking control of people, basically. It kind of makes you wonder how she's going to be viewed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe moving forward because it'd be hard to imagine that people, the general public, would be like, oh, well... She was just sad that the vision died, so 
It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She still is a five yeah. against Thanos, so she's okay in my book. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's hard yeah. for them. It's hard for me to imagine that people are going to be like that. And I, I figure, realistically, people would be like, oh, man, somebody's got to do something about her. I hope I hope yeah. we never see her again. <laughs> that level of power shouldn't exist at yeah. all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, do you have any other thoughts or observations, Drew? Um, one of the lines from one of the later episodes, I think, was, I believe it was the Vision who said this, but it was a conversation between him and Wanda, and she was processing her grief, and I guess it might have been at the point when she realized, she she realized she realized what was going on. And I think uh-huh. the vision said, what is grief but love persevering? Yeah. And I thought that was a nice piece of dialogue there that kind of neatly puts a bow tie on the heart of the story. Like, that's yeah. really what the what the story was about, I think. When you, when you get rid yeah. of all of the mystical bells and whistles junk on all the all yeah all the bells and whistles it's really a story about someone going mad with grief yeah trying to process that but when we deal with superheroes everything that they do is just on a whole another tier compared to how a normal person would react so, exactly. So it's on an epic level. Yeah, it's an, it's a that makes it epic because she's got this crazy amount of power. Yeah. So I I thought seeing that driven home, and even the episode where you you get a tour through her past. Yeah. I think it was the second to last episode when when Agatha Harkness takes Wanda through a journey through her own memories. Yeah. You see. Man, she really did have a pretty tough life. Yeah, yeah. Like there was so, that whole scene when, from when they were kids and they got bombed by uh, some stark munitions. Yeah. And yeah. she and her brother just had to hide under the rubble for, I don't know, a couple of days just because they didn't know what else to do. Like yeah. stuff like that is pretty tough to swallow. And yeah. it, it kind of helps you understand how she came to be the person that she is, you know, assuming that people are a collection of all of their experiences and their memories and how they process those things. This is kind of that next big thing that happened, you know, like there was, it went through all these different big moments in her life and it culminated with the death of the synthesoid that she loves, you know, or the man she loves, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, yeah, what do you expect to happen to somebody when, or what do you expect her to do when, when this is the life that she's led and she's been granted all this power? Like, this is yeah. the kind of outcome that you should have expected. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I want to clarify one of the B plots, which was that, um, yeah, you mentioned that in addition to the government and uh you know the the sitcom aspect of the show it turns out there's also a witch there who who uh 
who's been drawn to this phenomena of the hex and um this yeah it was one of the less appealing uh, aspects of the show but i just felt like i had to mention it because i didn't mention it in my uh earlier description mm-hmm. but but you mentioned earlier uh that you thought that the sitcom aspect of the show, as well as what else did you say was uh were, was the what was the second thing that you considered your like the, the best ex- things? Yeah, the exploration of grief. I think that yeah. the parts of the story that deal with Wanda's emotional state and the manifestations of her grief, yeah, which were yeah. basically the sitcom world. I thought those elements of the show were far more interesting than the conflict with Agatha, which ended yeah. up becoming the ultimate conflict at the end of the show. Yeah. Even the stuff with Sword, that like if they had gotten rid of the witch subplot and just made it about Sword trying to figure out a way in and yeah. trying to neutralize her, I think I would have been able that to... That still would have been forgivable. Yeah, that would have been more appealing to me too. Yeah. Yeah, there are some elements about the whole sword stuff that I wasn't super fond of either, but like it wasn't anything that disrupted my ability to yeah, enjoy uh, the show. Like even though it sounds like I'm kind of bagging on it because of the whole Agatha thing, I still overall enjoyed the series. Like I, I enjoyed it, yeah. I liked it. Um, but those were just some of the things that I'm less fond of. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I love what you mentioned earlier. I thought that um, the exploration of grief was like it's the emotional core of the story, like you mentioned, right? And I I think for me that I, I'm I have a like-minded view of the show as you do in the sense that um, I think the emotional journey I went on was was satisfactory to me more than satisfactory to me honestly once i got to the end of it but um they could have there's multiple ways that they could have tackled this story about wanda uh you know going on this journey of self-discovery and self-exploration in order to deal with her grief and i think the thing that stings for me is that so much of it was so close to getting it just yeah. perfect. But then, um, and we, we discussed this a little bit. Uh, we discussed this a little bit off, off the podcast or earlier on when we were uh, over the following, over the course of the weeks uh, after the show. But, uh, you know, uh, once they got to the end, it feels like they needed to, have they needed to add the subplot of the witch in uh in order for them to one give her an external villain to deal with yeah and two i like from a business perspective uh we know that the next doctor strange movie one they announced that scarlet witch is going to be in it and two uh they announced that it was going to be called uh well okay the no, not Doctor two. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yes, it was called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So you know that one of the things that they mentioned in the show was early on is that Wanda isn't called the Scarlet Witch. So by the end of the show, she's become the Scarlet Witch. And they also announced that 
in the next Doctor Strange movie, which is a heavily magic-centered movie, Wanda is going to be with Doctor Strange. So if I had... a this is, you know, it's a theory on my part, but, um, you know, when they made the, the WandaVision show, they clearly had it in mind that somehow they had to work it in, into a way where by the end of it, she becomes the Scarlet Witch. She is going to be a full on, uh, magic user. Right. Yeah. And, and unfortunately that stuff, uh, by, by, call it, you know, editorial edict or whatever, but because they had to make Wanda's story fit into that, uh, they added these elements that, in my view, hurt the overall, like, emotional core of the story, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, we we talked about this, where it was like, well, they if they had just done this show about her creating this bubble universe where she could live out her fantasy. But realistically, it wasn't allowed to exist because one, people are trapped in there and forced to do, forced into these lives that they don't want to live. And two, the government just, they, they just can't allow this thing, this bubble to exist. Like that conflict in and of itself on its own is enough to, to propel this story forward right yeah yeah that's because that's a pretty big and logical conflict yeah exactly something like that happened you would expect that the military or somebody uh with a lot of resources would get involved to try and solve it or figure out what's going on yeah and most likely try to stop it so yeah yeah that alone could have been plenty of conflict but it it does kind of feel like the show tried to like the third element of the show that uh i want to bring up now first we we mentioned how it works as a homage to the american sitcoms of decades past and secondly we talked about how it's an exploration of grief but the third thing about the show and this is the thing that i think doesn't work as well as the other two but they tried to make it just kind of like this big budget continuation of the marvel cinematic universe so when you finally get to the last couple episodes you see all these special effects you see Agatha and Wanda flying in the sky blasting each other with energy and mm. you have Vision fighting his I guess the John Byrne version of himself <laughs> uh, <laughs> white vision <laughs> yeah the white vision yeah <laughs> So it, it kind of feels like they tried to shoehorn in all these special effects and yeah, action the, to really the show spectacle. you. Yeah, the <laughs> spectacle has to be in there because it's like all these early episodes where it was just like a sitcom, yeah. those, they probably saved a decent amount of money on the budget because they didn't yeah. really need any flashy effects and stuff. Yeah. But once you get to those last couple episodes... It they kind of felt all like out. graphics looked like a movie, you know? Like it, yeah. it looked, it didn't look cheap like some of those other, uh, the other, uh, not Marvel shows, but the superhero shows that you see on uh, network television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, it is at odds with with each other to some degree, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, you now know? that you point that out, it really is a conflicting goal, you know, to to try and have this spectacle, but it's also supposed to exist in the same narrative where you see these peaceful sitcoms. It it's kind of it's an interesting choice, I guess, but yeah, it, ultimately, I would have to say personally, I didn't find the yeah. spectacle very appealing. Yeah, I, like if I had to say what happened like i feel like they they took as much of a chance as they possibly could have on 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 something that was creatively more interesting and abstract you know they they took that as far as they could and i if i had to say if i had to guess i i feel like someone somewhere with enough authority eventually told them that well we have to have some sort of fight and some sort of explosions and yeah um, explosions yeah like yeah that 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 is what we have to have because um at the end of the day we need to be able to sell it to 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 the people who are the fans of the movies you know yeah i'm pretty sure a lot of people wanted to see something like that happen they wanted to see yeah wanda unleash the full fury of her power yeah you know it, well, it, but but to me it's like what's what's more of a demonstration of her power her flying around shooting red stuff from her hands or her mind controlling an entire town into being these sitcom characters you know to me the latter is way more yeah. wild and threatening you know because yeah. we've seen yeah. so many superhero uh, movies and shows and read so many comics that just watching people fly around and shoot stuff that doesn't really do it anymore. Yeah, it it's it's kind of meaningless. <laughs> yeah, and and the other thing I was gonna say is I I actually think the the actual like emotional ending of the show is some moving stuff, right? So yeah. once you get to the end uh, where Wanda discovers what's been going on and she makes her peace with uh with the reality she 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 realizes that you know what what she's done she can't allow this uh hex bubble to continue to exist because she'd be forcing uh this life this chaos on these people mm-hmm. that uh that don't want it so in order for them to have their freedom back, she essentially has to collapse this 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 bubble that she's been whole that she's created over this community. Yeah, basically and, she had to kill her family. Yeah, exactly, because they they had to cease to exist in order for everything to go back to normal. And you know, I I just feel like everything at the beginning of the show and that ending. Uh, when you know when she those final moments when she see, says goodbye to her kids and she says goodbye to the vision, like if they had just kept those things and removed some of the junk in between in the middle, the stuff that they just threw in just to have the explosions, it could have mm-hmm. been like the perfect show. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's a good point, man. <laughs> yeah, because that that ending was like I I was personally moved by that ending you know i i, I watched yeah. that and i i 
thought that the emotion was genuine and I felt her pain for ha- to have to say goodbye to the vision on what a second time, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's like, some heavy it, emotional content, man. It, if you just imagine how it would feel if you were in her position. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, the only, the only way that you can make things right for all these thousands and thousands of innocent people is to, Kill your family. Kill your family? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. What kind of choice is that? Seriously. <laughs> um, but, you know, she does it, and it's the 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 way that, uh, you know, Elizabeth Olsen, per, like, acts it out, it's believable, man. I, yeah, I, was, I was actually really impressed by her acting in this series. Yeah. Yeah, and Vision Vision had some great moments too, you know, like um uh, what's his name? Paul Paul Bennett? Peter Bennett? Paul Bettany? Bettany, not Bennett. Uh, yeah, yeah. But like he uh in those quiet moments, you know, like he can be pretty charming and charismatic and wistful and uh contemplative, you know? Like Yeah. I, he really nails the character of the Vision. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it actually kind of makes me wish that they would have made a show that was an adaptation of the Tom King, uh, Tom vision. King and yeah, the, the Tom yeah. King vision with Gabriel Walta. Like they could have done an adaptation of that, and imagine how good Paul Bettany would have done in if in that story. Like that would that would be fun to see. I think we still might see it because, again, at the end of the show, um, the sword as the organization, the the plot reveals that they've been trying to bring back the vision, but this time purely as a weapon that they can use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they found a way to do it. They They brought back this... A version of the vision that um, was stripped of his emotions and was just a killing machine. Yeah, and he was all white, just like and the John was, Byrne vision from the yeah late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, that was the vision that we grew up with when we were kids. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and um, the whole gimmick with the white vision in the comics was that. He had recently been rebuilt, uh, and that's why he he looked different. But because of all the stuff that he'd been through, he didn't have the emotional heart of his previous incarnation. Yeah, and that's basically yeah. what we see in the show too. The the white yeah. vision doesn't yeah. have the emotional uh, the emotional quotient of the original vision. He might have the same the fighting memories. abilities, maybe even the same memories, but yeah. he doesn't have the emotion to make yeah. all of those things come together and be a whole person. Yeah. And it, it wasn't until he fought the other vision, the vision that was basically the part of the mindstone that still dwelled in Wanda's mind. It wasn't until he fought that vision that the white vision started to maybe possibly start to come together like it, it kind of felt like he got bombarded with all of this information and he just flew away and that was basically the end of 
him in the story. Yeah. I guess we'll see him next time in some other show or some other movie. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, there's no way that Disney slash Marvel doesn't use him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I... I actually uh, liked the White Vision. It's probably the one good thing from John Byrne that I did like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the stories or just the look? I think the the idea of, of him, of okay, how okay. like he came back emotionless and he just was this blank slate. Um, there was something about that that appealed to my, that, my kid mind, even though I never read those issues. Um, yeah, but... Uh, Again, in it, it was an interesting battle between him and the uh, version of the vision that she projected, right? Because mm-hmm. it starts out as this fight, and then it becomes almost a philosophical debate between these two characters. Yeah, yeah. He he busts out the the thought experiment on on the robot. <laughs> yeah, like I I thought that was kind of clunky. Like I know what they were trying to do, but uh. I, I thought the execution of that was a little clunky, if I had to be perfectly honest. Um, kind of ham-fisted, you think, when he started talking about the ship of Theseus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, ultimately, like, that was all done just so... Like, I don't know about you, Drew, but I'm I'm pretty sure when, when they showed the white vision, like, in my mind, I was thinking, okay... Somehow, some way, they're going to. It's not going. It's clearly not going to be this battle to the death between the the two of them. Like he is going to have some sort of moment of epiphany, and we're mm-hmm. going to get that version of the vision that we we knew of in the comics, right? Yeah. So, exactly. um, again, I I didn't think that they were actually going to have this philosophical debate, and that was going to be the thing that was going to do it. But <laughs> hey. It's a choice. <laughs> do, you, do you think that the red and green vision was just going to punch the white vision so hard that <laughs> the white vision would turn red? Uh, I don't know, man. I like I'm 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 not a writer, so I I don't know. So I I really didn't know what they were going to do. I just knew that by the end of their battle uh the the white vision was going to uh probably renounce and maybe not, not be okay but he was going to be not an antagonist yeah you know yeah yeah i i think there was a part of me that thought that there was a chance that the two of them would meld with each other and that way the heart of the projection vision that Wanda had created would fill the void in the white vision, but then we wouldn't get that moving ending at the end, you know, when uh, yeah. when that vision dies. So I'm fine that they didn't do that. I, I'm I'm not even sure I wanted that to happen. I was just like, I think that's where they were going with it. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. that was probably gonna be the the obvious thing to do so yeah. it's cool to see that they they did something that neither of us were expecting yeah yeah uh, but what he did end up doing was um the the version of the vision that uh wanda conjured ends up 
like we said, he has this philosophical debate with the the physical uh, reconstructed body of the vision that's attacking them. Yeah, man, that's a lot to say. Uh, but he <laughs> has this debate with him, and for a brief second, the uh, the white vision put puts his guard down and allows this projection uh, of of the old vision to phase into his brain and gives him access to all of the old memories of the old vision and as a result the that vision now conflicted by everything by all this new information just flies off yeah uh, um, you know and where do you think he went albert um honestly my first thought was <laughs> and this is this i guess this shows how much like how how much old comics i've read or how many comics i've read but my first thought was he just flew to the north pole just to be <laughs> by himself because <laughs> that's what superman always does <laughs> yeah but superman has a fortress of solitude he doesn't need vision. Doesn't need a fortress of solitude. Isn't the, for, wait, isn't the fortress of solitude in the Arctic? Whatever, like one of those cold places. <laughs> <laughs> They're all the same. Uh, yeah, ice is ice, man. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I, that's that's where I thought he went. Where did you think he went? Uh, Chick Fil A. <laughs> no, I, 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 just, I have no idea, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just one of those things where they'll probably show him in some isolated location like you're probably right it's probably maybe not a frozen tundra but maybe a mountain or some place where yeah. normal people don't easily go yeah he just went off to be by himself understandable understandable he just had an existential crisis what if he went to a Nickelback concert? Oof. I would have to request that they deconstruct him <laughs> and make sure he never comes back. Because uh, that is not a good use of, of... He was given life, and what he chose to do with that life was to go to a Nickelback concert. No, thank you. <laughs> That would be like the least likely thing or least likely place that he would go to. Yeah. <laughs> he decided to join up with the insane clown posse. <laughs> he decided that the only way he could make sense of his life was to become a juggalo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And like the next time you see the vision, he's at some concert throwing bottles of urine at some opening act that he doesn't like. Jeez, man, that would, that's weird if you think about it, for him to get uh, a second chance at life and for him to just decide to be just the trashiest version of himself that he could possibly be. <laughs> uh, man. Uh, yeah, so, did you have anything to say about uh you know any other thoughts on like the agatha harkness arc and that whole thing like 
I think me and you shied away from it quite a bit because, like, we we mentioned it, we discussed it, but overall, I think it's fair to say that's probably the weakest aspect or the weakest element of the show. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say that was the one thing I predicted that I wish I had been wrong about. Yeah, because when we learned that there was going to be this character named Agnes, I think. When we did that episode where we talked about uh, WandaVision before it came out, when we yeah. same episode where we talked about the Tom King Gabriel Walta the Vision book, yeah, I, think I mentioned that I figured Agnes was gonna be Agatha Harkness just because of the name, and it was like yeah. a simple thing for them to do, and yeah. they ended up doing the simple thing, but the way that they executed it wasn't too satisfying to me and the reason why is because i don't think her introduction into the story was foreshadowed well yeah like she starts off as the eccentric neighbor and i thought yeah the actress who played her did a fine job as that but once it was revealed that she was this centuries old witch who dates back to the Salem witch trials from the late 1600s or whatever year it was. The actress, I don't think she did a good job of portraying her menace. Yeah. Like it, it kind of felt like she was still hamming it up as the eccentric neighbor playing a witch. So yeah. I couldn't really take her seriously as a malevolent antagonist. She just came across as a cartoon character to me where she mm. was doing the kind of things you'd expect a cartoon character witch to do laughing maniacally cackling yeah yeah uh it yeah it i don't know if that was an intentional acting choice on the actress's part but yeah i don't think that was the, the thing that uh sold me on it i mean it yeah. didn't sell me on it at all <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. that episode where you see this flashback where she, she was getting attacked by the other witches in her in her uh, group. Her yeah, what do you call it a coven. 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 Yeah. Right at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Yeah, right at the beginning. Like that part, I just thought it was corny, man. Like I don't know how else to describe it except I I just thought it was corny, the way that she was cackling and the looks that she was given to the camera. It was uh kind of a low point for the show to me at least and then when yeah. when they tried to reveal how agatha was behind it all along like the whole all agatha all along little song that they did at the end of the episode yeah that that part didn't really it kind of felt like a cheat to me because yeah. there wasn't really anything in those episodes that would really make you think that she didn't have her mind under wanda's influence yeah. i guess there was that one moment in one of the episodes where she she kind of did a bit in the sitcom and then she was like oh wait did i do you want me to run that again or run through that again mm. where she, it kind of felt like she was an actor who, who broke character or was like in a rehearsal or something yeah like i don't know if that scene was supposed to tell us that something was wrong with the character like there was something sinister about the character to me, when I saw that scene, it made me think that there were just some 
holes in Wanda's power. Like maybe her power wasn't she wasn't omnipotent, you know, like she right. she wasn't so powerful that nobody could ever have moments of clarity whatsoever. And yeah, that's how yeah. I interpreted it. Maybe I need to watch it again to see uh, if I just misinterpreted it. So well, I'm, I'm yeah. willing to accept somebody explaining it to me in a way that, you know, makes more sense. But yeah, just for me, when I was watching that, I, I didn't think that in the series, I didn't think that they foreshadowed Agatha's threat the way that they could have. And that's why when they revealed her to be truly free the whole time, it just rang false to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, so I, I think I had the same impression that you did uh, when in that scene where Agatha, you know, has that moment where she's talking to Wanda as though she's an actor in a show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where she's saying, oh, do you want me to do that scene again? Um, I interpreted it in a similar way, which was that there were holes in Wanda's power. But uh, from her perspective, I was, especially with the information, like after the fact, revealing that she's, you know, actually this witch that mm-hmm. was orchestrating a bunch of little things. Um, but... I guess I took that to to mean that she was pretending to be one of the citizens uh, in this in this fictional uh, neighborhood, and mm-hmm. she was just having this moment to I guess convince Wanda that she was just like everybody else. When in reality, that's true. She was, you know, when in reality, she was. Uh, she had her you know, free will. Yeah, she had her free will, and she was this uh, external enigmatic force. But I, I would have to agree with you that um, one, they they didn't they didn't introduce her in a good way. They didn't foreshadow her in a good way. Like, in all honesty, that the moment that scene where they. When when you're watching WandaVision and they this the episode starts where it's you know a couple of hundred years ago and it's the Salem witch trials or something like that. Yeah. It it felt really random, you know, for for that to be in there. It's kind and, of a cheap way for them to give the like they they didn't integrate too much real foreshadowing in the earlier episodes so yeah. they just resorted to a flashback scene yeah at the beginning of yeah one of the later episodes and that just feels like a really cheap way to introduce a key story element yeah exactly it's exactly kind of not it's... really playing fair with their with the viewer yeah and yeah you know like i'm I'm not going to outright say that the idea of witches as a, a story element is something that I inherently have a problem with, but, uh, yeah, like, I, I thought about it. I was like, what if they had done more in the beginning, uh, earlier on in the series to, to introduce that there was something up with her character, something weird? But even when I think about it, uh, even when I think about that, it's 
I still find it hard to believe that. Like, I just think it's a hard needle to thread, honestly. Um, yeah. Like, when we talked about it, one of the things that I mentioned was I feel like this as a plot could have made as 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 a plot would have made sense if they had done a sequel miniseries to WandaVision where it was all about the witches like some enigmatic witch force um finding you know catching notice of Wanda of Scarlet Witch and coming to her as a means of uh, uh you know trying to take her powers or whatever what have you right like, like which force moratory sure <laughs> <laughs> but but then you know that that they wouldn't have been able to have that scene in the end where you know agatha calls wanda the scarlet witch and essentially names her moving forward right true that so again this is an example where I do feel like they had to find some way to get to that point where they could claim, they could make the claim that the Scarlet Witch is a title. The Scarlet Witch is a title that uh, Wanda Maximoff is actually uh, actually claims, you know, or mm-hmm. or has bestowed upon her rather, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So. In the comics, Scarlet Witch is just something that she calls herself, but uh, the the that's a revelation that they made in the WandaVision series, which is the Scarlet Witch isn't a name, it's a title, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like the Pope or something. <laughs> that's why she wears that funny thing on her head. Yeah, so, you know, her and the Pope. <laughs> Peas in a pod. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I I I didn't think that the the character of Agatha was the fact that she just came so late in the series uh, as just a means of introducing the magical elements of the show. It it it, it was for for something that I actually enjoyed for the most part. That that one element in by itself was enough to to drag the show down several points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you yeah. on that, man. I feel you on that. But at least it was witches and not zombies or vampires. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. I, I I'm with you on that. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were there things that you wanted to see more of, Drew? Uh, things that yeah, you feel man. that the showed absolute, up in the show yeah. that you didn't get your totally, fill of? Totally. The absolute number one thing I wanted to see more of was Pastor Jimmy Woo. Yeah. I feel you on that. Yeah, Randall man. Park Our is man, great, man. Jimmy Woo. Randall Park is Jimmy Woo. Agent yep. Jimmy Woo. Pastor <laughs> Jimmy Woo. Dude, that that's one of my favorite characters in the whole marvel cinematic universe right there and we needed more of him uh i would have taken a movie where he just beat the crap out of thanos i would have taken that yeah man it's like <laughs> hey thanos want to see a magic trick and he just socks him in the eye <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, I did like the characters that were outside of the Hex. Yeah. So Jimmy Woo, Monica Rambo, and the Darcy character in particular. I mean, it's just cool to see Jimmy Woo and Darcy since they've been in those other Marvel flicks. And, yeah. And to give them something to do in a different story, that's that's always fun. And yeah, obviously introducing Monica Rambo as an adult is very yeah. cool. Yeah. It just felt like they didn't really do a whole lot with them after a couple of the middle episodes. Like once they were like in the beginning, it was really fascinating because they were the ones who were on the outside who were trying to penetrate the mystery of the hex. And yeah. all three of them in particular were working together uh, along with Sword in order to figure out what was actually happening. But it it seemed that after they figured out the mystery, there really wasn't much else for them to do. I mean, Monica is able to go back into the hex, yeah. but she goes back in and then there's like massive chunks of time when she doesn't do anything. Like I'm not yeah. even sure what she's doing. Like she she was looking for Wanda while Wanda was in the in the basement of that of Agnes's lair or whatever you call it. But I guess Monica couldn't enter and then I have no idea what she was doing for like the longest time. I think she was fighting Pietro or Peter or whatever, you know, the 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 Ralph Boner ralph boner quicksilver yeah so yeah it really was just this device to i guess he was just keep her her, occupied yeah yeah that's true you're right he he was keeping her uh ralph boner kept monica (laughs) in his house against her will yeah that's a a little bit of a creepy thing to do (laughs) yeah yeah it it's it was fun to see these side characters um because well the uh the actors that they chose i i i happen to agree that they were just fun engaging characters like cat denning is someone we haven't seen since i want to say thor 2 might have been the last film she was yeah. in she wasn't in the third thor she was only in thor 1 and 2 yeah and i do think it's cool that they brought her back i i I I have some affection for Kat Denning. I like whenever I see her on um shows and movies, she's she's charming to watch, you know? Uh, although yeah, I will she's say got a, she's got a good uh sass about her. Exactly. She makes some exactly. pretty funny sassy comments. Exactly. And but I will say that uh I'm I'm not a fan of Two Broke Girls. I just think that that's awful television. Like I'm I'm glad she got paid, but she <laughs> deserves so much better than that show. <laughs> yeah, I can't um, say I ever watched that show. Yeah. Randall Park was good. Uh I don't know the name of the actress who played Monica Rambo, but she's a good addition to the MCU too. Yeah, I like, thought she did a great job. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not familiar with the actress either. But because yeah. I think that was the first time I've seen her in anything, but I I did think she did a great job in the in the limited space that she did have. Like, it was cool to see her in the sitcom scenes earlier on, and then 
see her how she actually is in in the real world yeah and the way that they decided to play her char- uh the way they decided to use her character in the story was pretty fun in terms of connecting it to the wider marvel universe because we saw her as a kid version of herself back in the first captain marvel flick yep which was set in the 90s so now she's an adult but it also showed us that she was part of the the blip so she got blipped away when thanos had the gauntlet Mm -hmm. and we do get a little flashback early on that shows how she came back and you see that she was at the hospital uh, because her mother was was dying of cancer or something and she gets uh, reformed back into place and it's just chaos there and i thought that was a cool scene too to just to show kind of the the immediate aftermath of what happened after the hulk brought everyone back yeah 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 it's a good thing that she wasn't in a helicopter at the time yeah (laughs) (laughs) that would have been a waste (laughs) yeah yeah um did you think it was strange because you were the one who pointed this out to me but did you think it was strange that when we saw the flashback of everyone coming back they basically came back in reverse of what happened yeah. when they were killed like we saw yeah. the little dust particles coalesce and reform and then they became yeah. people again yeah. and it kind of happened uh in a way where you could see it all happen the same yeah. way that you could see it happen when they were dying but it in was far from the home, opposite yeah it was the opposite yeah. of the dissolving effect uh yeah. that we saw at the end of infinity war yeah, exactly. But yeah. in Far From Home, when we saw the scene of all the kids coming back on into the school in, on the school gym during the basketball game, they kind of just appeared. Popped. Yeah, they just popped yeah. back into existence. Yeah. There wasn't and any then, of the dust reformatting. Yeah, and even in Far From Home, they gave it a name. They called it the blip, which you know kind of signifies a similar uh, effect as a pop or something like that, right? So... Yeah, I did notice that. I thought that was weird uh, inconsistency. I mean, it's a minor thing, but um, yeah, I, I I don't know what to make of it personally. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a cool detail that you brought up because I I don't think that I don't think that crossed my mind at all. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know if the people that made the show have anything had anything to say about it i haven't really read any interviews or anything like that about it i think it would take someone who was pretty anal to message them or make a scene about it so (laughs) (laughs) i'm content to just notice it and you know make a huh sound to myself (laughs) okay so you're not gonna go on twitter and harass all the people that made the the show and be like hey you guys messed up (laughs) Nope, I have no intention of doing that. You're not going to bully them until they give you the Snyder Cut? <laughs> Do it right. What do you take me for, an idiot? <laughs> oh, man. Man, um, going back to the Darcy character, though, Yeah. I thought it was kind of sad how they just got rid of her by the end of the series. Like, she was in that ice cream truck for a super long time. Yeah, and then she just runs the crashes into the truck or something right <laughs> yeah and and yeah. you she was 
in the last episode for like two seconds, man. Like, what the yeah. heck was that? Yeah, now that you mention it, like when when you talk about how they obviously took efforts to just kind of put people in just long enough to 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 show that they were there only to remove them again like there is something uh i don't i'm not going to say jarring about that but it's like man why they do that yeah why yeah. they do that it's unsatisfying <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to mention one other thing about the show uh, in terms of directions that they could have gone. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember watching the first two episodes uh, when when it first came out. Or not when it first came out. I actually waited like a couple of weeks before I watched it. But mm-hmm. um, watching those first two episodes where they were doing the fake or, or the, uh, the recreations of classic black and white uh, sitcoms. Yeah, there there was a moment where I think I wanted to where when I was watching it, I wanted to see them do something. So we mentioned how like one direction that they could have gone was just like pure, bizarre, abstract um, in terms of their storytelling. But when I was watching those first two episodes, there was a part of me that wanted to see them do something kind of creepy or something uh that was yeah I, I guess creepy is the only way that i can really describe it so um i remember watching the scene where wanda and vision have his boss over for dinner and yeah. his boss is choking on something and you know they're all just kind of panicking and trying to figure out what to do and for a split second, Wanda breaks character and she goes, Vision, save him. You know? Yeah. Just the way that she delivers that, that, that like one little uh, line. She was, was commanding. Yeah, it was commanding, but there was also something disturbing about how, like how out of sync it was with everything else, right? And... Yeah. Yeah. For a moment, I was like, "Oh, it it would have been really interesting if they had made this not necessarily a horror show, but they could have done something really eerie about this show." And and throughout the show, you actually see flourishes of that. Where, like, again, we we mentioned this, but like, what she's essentially doing to the citizens of this town is she's using her power to take over their personalities mm-hmm. and there's clearly some part of them that still exists underneath the personalities that she's imposed on them right they're like living there and watching through these fake eyes and taking it all in and uh the best the closest example that i can think of is the movie um uh what was the one by peel what is that film get out yeah, it, exactly. So I'm going to spoil Get Out here, but <laughs> I'm just spoiling everything, okay? <laughs> but in Get Out, what ends up happening is that uh, it turns out that people are are uh, taking over the minds of other people by via like surgery, but at the same time, 
vestiges of their former personalities still exist. So they can only watch as these new these new brains and uh, personalities take over their bodies. And all they can do is watch from behind their own eyes as these people uh, act and behave uh, in in this new in in their own bodies, you know. And mm-hmm. there's something there's that same creepy element that runs through WandaVision where if they had really wanted to go in that direction, I, I think that would have been an interesting direction to go as something more uh, just frightening, I guess. Yeah, there, there's you definitely know? something sinister about it. It's like everybody in the town was trapped in the sunken place. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? And I don't know about you, but as a concept, that, that's a that's, that's a pretty, pretty terrifying idea. Yeah, it's yeah. terrifying, man. Like, like I, I would not want that to happen to us, man. Yeah. So this is a bit of an unrelated anecdote. Well, it's it's related, but um, I remember. Uh, have you ever had this happen to you? Uh, when when you sleep, have you ever woken up, but your like your mind is aware of the fact that you're awake and you're conscious of the fact that you're awake, but you're unable to like move your body or like open your eyelids. Have you ever had that happen to you, Drew? Uh, I'm not sure because for me, here's the thing. When I go to sleep, the last thing, the last conscious thought that I have is I ask myself, why am I still so alone? <laughs> and when I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I think is, again, why am I still so alone? And in between those two moments, <laughs> I have no answers whatsoever. Well, those are some pretty frightening things right there. Uh, I, I don't really need anything else after that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what no. were we talking about? <laughs> well... Okay, I, I remember like describing this to someone, and uh, I, I thought I was the only person who had ever experienced anything like that. But uh, I, I think it's a thing that happens occasionally to people. Because I remember, I, I don't remember specifically when, but that happened to me once where like my brain, like I was awake, but for whatever reason, I couldn't move my limbs and I couldn't like open my eyes to be awake. And for the like, couple of seconds where that happened i was pretty freaked out man <laughs> yeah that sounds pretty scary it, it's kind of like waking up and thinking that you're paralyzed or something yeah yeah exactly um we, we take all of our normal movements for granted that i'm i'm sure losing that control over your own body for no apparent reason that's got to be a pretty uh panic inducing kind of yeah, thought for sure Yep. What did you yeah. think about the dude who was the director of Sword? Do you think that he was too obvious as a villain, or do you think that they did enough with the character, or not enough with him? Uh, I 
I don't know if it was obvious that he was the villain, but it was definitely a cliched route to go. Um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's in fashion nowadays to like always have a story where you always have that one guy in authority who abuses his powers because you know he believes with uh, that his might makes right or whatever. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I think when you mentioned it, I. I don't know if I, I had any feelings in favor or, or against the idea of him being the villain, but yeah, I can't help but compare it to the witch thing, which is, uh, which, which I can say, like, if they had just done a story where, you know, the revelation was that the, uh, the director of sword was actually had malicious motives, uh, that would have been something that I would have been okay with. I don't know if it was my preferred ending, but I still preferred that far more to the idea that witches came out of nowhere to uh, bother Wanda and her yeah. family, you know? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it it succeeds only because of that. Right, like for all we know, in an alternate universe where they tell a story where uh, Agatha Harkness and the witches weren't an element in the story, um, I could have looked at that and I would have been like, "Yeah, I wish they hadn't done that because that was just that was just mm-hmm. what exactly what you would have expected, and that was um, yeah, so by derivative, I guess, <laughs> yeah." So, in comparison to Agatha Harkness, the Hayward character, he uh, doesn't look as egregious, does he? Yeah, that's the only way that I can put it, honestly. Yeah, because I was thinking about it and and how by the the time we get to the end of the series, it it feels like his... uh, I don't even know if I would even merely call it antagonism, but it it feels like his villainy is almost on a cartoony level too, you know, like almost the same kind of cartoonishness that we see yeah. uh, from Agatha because this dude... He's like Mr. Burns or something. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like commanding his, his soldiers to, to shoot at little kids and at the end he gets in this armored truck and he's trying to run them over. It's like, what yeah, the heck, yeah. man? Like, is that, really, uh, is that really something that a man of his dignity... Or, you know, you would expect someone in his position to have more dignity than that, right? Yeah. And I'd even go as far as to say that he was a pretty generic, all-around generic sort of looking villain overall. Like, yeah. I mean, I didn't expect the guy who played him to have an eye patch or anything like that. But, <laughs> I mean... What about a peg leg? Or a peg leg or, like, a claw hand or something, but... <laughs> Yeah, there was just something about his portrayal and his look that just, it just screamed basic and um, generic to me, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah, it was it was kind of a waste of a role, I guess. Now now in retrospect, now that I'm thinking about it, now that we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little crestfallen at the thought of the missed opportunity here. <laughs> yeah. Like they could have just done a story where it was about Wanda losing her uh, control of her powers and having to deal, you know, ha- having to navigate her grief in order to regain control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on an emotional level, that would have been more than enough for me, right? Yeah. But yeah, but because they had to tell a story with like clear-cut villains and antagonists, uh, we got what we got. And after you know you pointing out uh, the things of you know the cartoony cartooniness of it, it it does taint it a little for me. <laughs> yeah, it, overall it feels like the show the. Th- the show did a great job with a lot of the character work and the internal conflicts, but the external conflicts and the spectacle were kind of at odds with the emotional content. Yeah. If anything, they hindered the emotional yeah. content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They hindered it. <laughs> yeah. But, Yeesh. you know, over, overall, I, I still would have to say I enjoyed the show. I liked it. Yeah. Like the things that I didn't like about it weren't enough to turn me against it or anything. I just Exactly. Exactly. I'm like you, man. I'm like I I wish that they had done a few other things cuz then it could have been a real classic. Yeah. And for me personally, like I I really do think that ending like was the thing that made the experience worth it for me. You know, yeah. just watching just getting going on that journey to get to the point where Wanda and Vision can have their final like goodbye, quote unquote, final goodbye with with one another. Mm-hmm. Like that was, yeah, that was um, you know moving stuff, and I I uh, I don't know maybe. Yeah, I I think if it could get me to feel something, then that that was all I needed. <laughs> yeah, you know, I agree, man. That yeah, that was a great ending. That whole sequence was a touching sequence. Yeah, so it was good that they were able to put something like that in that final episode, which had otherwise it otherwise it would have just been full of spectacle. And yeah. the spectacle wouldn't have satisfied nearly as much as the emotional stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff we mentioned before the show came out. Because mm-hmm. I think one of the things that most people were saying and theorizing was that WandaVision would be influenced by house of m Mm. the comic book event and miniseries so i was wondering if you saw any of the house of m influence did you see any of anything of those comics in the show um so i think overall wandavision is kind of a very stripped down micro version of house of m like if if we really had to like 
make the comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, because House of M was a story about Wanda losing control of her powers through her grief. And as a result, her powers change the fabric of reality in the world. And what we see in WandaVision is a substantially scaled down version of that. So instead of changing the entire world, what you saw was her power exerting itself on this small community, this small town. And the impetus for her powers, uh, for her losing her control, the thing that drove her to lose her control was... It's still grief. I mean, granted, in the book, in House of M, it was, you know, grief from her children. And here, this was the grief of, you know, her lover. But uh, there like, is I, something I, that I would want to clarify, though. Because yeah. in House of M, is it really her grief that causes all that? Because wasn't it actually, at this point, she was kind of like in a in a not fully comatose state, but she was like mentally bedridden and Xavier and Magneto were trying to hold back her, her powers because she was responsible for all the stuff that happened in Avengers disassembled. Yeah. But the X-Men and the Avengers meet to discuss what they were going to do about her. Mm -hmm. And because of that, Quicksilver does something rash and he's the one who really causes the House of M to happen. He's the one who causes her powers to go nuts. Uh, I mean, wasn't... Wait, so... Well, it's been a while since I read House of M, but wasn't a big part of it centered around the fact that she was dealing with the with the knowledge that her that she had these kids, but now she no longer had them. That was more Avengers disassembled. Avengers disassembled. Yeah, that was yeah. Was about her slowly losing her mind and using her chaos magic, which, uh, depending on which source you go to, may or may not exist in the Marvel universe. Yeah. But she used her powers and her magic to cause events to happen that systematically resulted in the end of that incarnation of the Avengers. Mm, mm. And one of the things that happened was uh, the Vision was killed as right. a result of that. Hawkeye was killed. Right. Ant-Man was killed. But, okay, well, I guess... And that That was because she was grieving the loss of her children. She was losing her mind because she couldn't have her kids. She couldn't... Yeah. Well, but it's not like they solved it by the time we get to House of M. She was already broken, right? Right. And and House of M starts with a scene where, well, I don't remember if it starts, but in the first issue, there's a scene where She's Xavier got her two kids, right? and Magneto oh. are trying to decide what they can do to help her because it, it it's basically like the, the two of them are on Genosha, which is abandoned at this point. And mm. she's, I guess she's just lying in bed and Xavier's trying to use her powers to heal her, heal her mind. 
but it seems like he's not having too much success. And that's why back in New York, the X-Men and the Avengers get together to decide what they're going to do. And Emma Frost decides that the only way that they can fix this is to kill her. Otherwise, her magic and her powers are going to be out of control. Yeah, And that's when they decide to go to Genosha. And then Quicksilver, I guess he heard about the meeting that the heroes were having. And he, he goes to Genosha before the other heroes get there. And I think it's revealed later on that he's the one who kind of like prods her into unleashing her power. Mm. Well, mm. so it was Pietro all along. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I still think overall, like the cornerstone of, of, of disassembled and house of M like leading into it was like a big part of her, I guess you could call it motivation. was, was it is tied into grief though, isn't it? No, you don't think so. Uh, I guess I could see the argument. It, to me, it, the comics seemed like they were more about her just, losing her mind because I mean, maybe that is grief losing her mind because she lost her children Mm -hmm. because, you know, at some point somebody made a deal with the devil (laughs) (laughs) and that's just how these things end, man. That's when you make a deal with the devil, they, it, it just turns out bad. So never make a deal with the devil. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I, I I guess that's as far as the, uh, similarities go for me. Uh, there was the one Halloween episode, uh, that's where right. they walk around in the town and I think the stuff that they borrowed from the old Wanda and Vision, um, miniseries was, that was purely just the look that they took because uh, the Halloween issue really didn't have anything to do with mm-hmm. any of the elements in 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 the in the miniseries. Yeah. Um, well, there was some magical stuff in that uh, issue. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's it kind was of an a issue. tenuous connection at best. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It wasn't Agatha Harkness. Um, so, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there was also that episode when her kids got a dog and they named him Sparky. Oh. Sparky, you know, just like from the Vision comic from yeah, King yeah, and yeah. Walter. Although this Sparky was an actual dog that I guess Agnes ended up killing. <laughs> <laughs> because you know that's what bad guys do they kill dogs that's how you know she's truly evil yeah she's a witch <laughs> did you have yeah. a problem with how they made agatha a villain because she's not really a villain in the comics um i don't think i ever had so much love for agatha or as a character that i felt that 
there was anything about her that I re- that they needed to be true to. So okay. so she she didn't mean anything to to begin with. Yeah, I'm I, <laughs> I'm not a hardcore Agatha fan fan. So you know, dang. Yeah, she's pretty if, meaningless to me. <laughs> I wonder if there's somebody out there who is a massive Agatha Harkness fan who is just utterly disgusted by her portrayal in WandaVision. Well, <laughs> let me put it to you this way. I don't think there's anyone who's purely an Agatha Harkness fan, but if you told me that there was uh, a comic book fan who was just so insistent on things maintaining uh, a continuity that so much so that they were insulted by the fact that the uh, <laughs> television version of her was nothing like the comic version of her. I, I believe that person exists. <laughs> <laughs> I love your your disdain for humanity. Just to, to know that you believe that there's somebody like that out there. <laughs> They're mud beneath my shoes, beneath my heels, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in, in the comics, Agatha Harkness, she's, I mean, she's a witch and she's mysterious and she does go back to the Salem witch trials era, but, but she was also... like their friend. <laughs> yeah, she was she was more of Wanda's mentor. Like, she actually yeah. taught Wanda how to use magic in the comics because, in, remember, in the comics, Wanda is a mutant, so she has yeah a natural inborn power well, due to the X-gene. And Agatha Harkness taught her how to use actual magic. Well, I I will say that once we get to the end of the show, like when Wanda defeats her in battle, mm-hmm. uh, the scene ends with Wanda. Uh, her punishment for Agatha Harkness is that she she basically uses a localized version of the spell that she's been using on everybody else to alter her person alter the personality of Agatha Harkness so that she's no longer this all-powerful all-knowing witch mm-hmm. but she's just a normal person like everybody else and she's she's back to out- being that eccentric neighbor yeah and she's forced to live in this neighborhood with all these other people now and there's a line that Wanda says at the end of it well there's an exchange that they have where Agatha basically says, I have knowledge, I have information, I can, you're going to need me. And Wanda just says to her, if I do, I'll know where to find you. Yeah. (laughs) So there's, there's a chance that Wanda might come back and Agatha Harkness may end up still being that mentor, uh, in her life. So, you, know. you just made me think of a question, Albert. Sure, shoot. So during the battle between Wanda and Agatha in the last episode, were the other citizens of the town aware that Agatha Harkness was this ancient, or not ancient, but like really old witch? And at the very end, when Wanda decides to cast that final hex and make agatha the eccentric neighbor and continue to live out her days in this in the town like do the other townspeople know about that like do they know who she is like 
Like, what if you lived in that neighborhood, man, and you had to live there knowing that this one eccentric neighbor is actually this witch from the Salem witch trials, but <laughs> supposedly her personality has been repressed. Would you still want to live there? Um, well, okay. Man, that's a lot of stuff to unpack. Oh, <laughs> uh, you one, know what I'm I, asking, right? Yeah, I, okay. Assuming that all those things that you said prior were true, then I probably wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> but that being said, I don't know if they actually know that she's this long-lived witch from the Salem witch trials. Okay. Like, cause so nobody, nobody else got close enough to actually look at her face or, or recognize her because they were flying in the sky. So yeah, could have been anybody. Well, I mean, there's that, but also I don't think there was any point where she explicitly told the townspeople, "Hey, I'm this like centuries-old witch <laughs> from the Salem witch trials." So they, there's a chance that no one knows why she did any of it or how she did any of it they just know that she can do it yeah but i mean i guess the fbi probably knows right like all the people all the authorities and people that were at the scene after it was over oh i mean jimmy Wu was there so you figure he had he has to know what's up right like he because when in one of the earlier episodes when when he was investigating the characters on the sitcom I think she was on the board and and he and the other characters were like, we couldn't find anything about this Agnes person. Like, we couldn't find her real identity. Mm. Um, and, you know, if, if they're good at their job, then in this aftermath, they'll be able to piece things together and, and realize, wait, this is who she is now and she's still living here under this identity. And may, I don't know, maybe they even realize that I can't remember the scene if, if like, Monica or anybody would... Well, Monica knows, right? So she probably would have just told Jimmy in the debriefing. Yeah. So but, you figure the FBI would have to know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. It's up there with, if the blip happens and people are on planes, what would happen <laughs> to them? Like, it's, it, it's, it's a logistical thing that I'm not... That I didn't think that far or think too deeply <laughs> about, quite honestly. So, uh, uh, yeah, I got nothing for you there. Yeah. I just like playing these mental exercises with you, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm glad you get, you derive entertainment from it. I got, I'm glad you got your money's worth. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to listen to the recording of this podcast later on and, and just replay this scene over and over <laughs> so I can find my happy place. Um, did you see any of the influencers from uh, comics, Drew? Uh, I guess not too much else other than the stuff that we mentioned. I, I suppose yeah. with uh, it was cool to see Monica use her powers at the end, although... You don't really see her use them in a really flashy way. I think she just kind of stopped some bullets. Yeah. But in the comics, Monica Rambo is pretty dang powerful. Yeah. She's she's somebody who has control over the entire spectrum of light and light. energy, yeah. I think. Yeah. Or at least at the very least light. Yeah. So she's been able she's been doing things like fly faster than 
you the know, speed anything of light. else. Yeah, like she can, <laughs> she's super fast. She can yeah. project energy at a yeah. crazy high level. Yeah. She's a, a leader. Yeah. Yeah. For she's a brief period of time com- in comics, she was Captain Marvel for a while. Yeah, back in she's, the 80s. Yeah. I, I was going to mention one other thing, though, which was... So, in our podcast, when we discussed uh, the potential influences for the WandaVision show, um, I don't specifically remember, like, all the details of what we discussed, but I'm pretty sure we mentioned or indicated at least that uh, the history of the of Wanda and the Vision, like, spanned, spans decades, and it's all pretty, uh, I guess, messy you know, there's there's yeah. just been lots of different bits of lore that they've added over over decades now, and um, you know, uh, every few years they they try to add something new or uh, add some different element to it to I don't know keep it alive, keep it interesting, or what have you. But I do think that I will say that. One of the things I do like about WandaVision is that they took decades worth of uh, lore uh, around that they've that have been built around Wanda and the Vision, uh, good and bad, and they picked out all this stuff that mm-hmm. was probably the most important stuff about Wanda and the Vision, the best stuff, and they told a co- coherent uh, narrative about it right yeah so so yeah. i do think wandavision did that well uh because if you if you like seriously i feel like if anyone wanted to get that uh, try to try to uh to if they tried to do the task of finding every comic about wanda and the vision to try to make this comprehensive timeline, it would there'd be a lot of stuff that would just look like gobbledygook. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, any anytime you have characters fighting a dude who has demons for hands, yeah, <laughs> it's it's gonna come off as a little bit silly. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, having having their children turn out to be portions of Mephisto's something or other. I don't even know if he has a soul, but yeah, you know. It's too many deals with devils in their backstory, man. It it just messes yeah. everything up. And and there's also there's constantly, you know, the element of Wanda and the Vision being together or not together or not together because he doesn't have, you know, emotions. the full range of his emotions. But then he gets them back, but now she's already with somebody else. Like there's Wonder Man. There's just, yeah, there's decades of history there that um that get cleaned up that got cleaned up in order mm-hmm. for them to tell the story of the show and uh it, it's kind of like the ultimate universe in that we saw what was effective in the past uh we saw the 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 elements of their history that uh had the most impact and we just stripped it down to its most important elements and we modernized it you yeah. know yeah, and and I think WandaVision does that spectacularly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. 
What were some of the silly fan theories that didn't pan out during the show? Because one of the, I think one of the things that a lot of people enjoyed about the series and the fact that they released it once a week. I mean, I guess the first two came out on the same day. And then after that, it was yeah. once a week. So you get this period of time where a lot of people, a lot of fans are online chatting and tweeting and just talking about theories and, and things that they thought would happen or trying to explain or predict what was going to happen next. What were some of the f- funny things that you heard people say? Um, yeah, so I, I generally tended to stay as far away as possible from those sorts of uh, from that sort of <laughs> navel gazing because one, I just find those kinds of fans annoying. Um, and for the most part, I just, I just think it's stupid. Uh, I, I, I don't really have too much interest in what they have to say, but what, what do you being, think sets those fans apart from us? Um, I don't think I'm anywhere near as insistent as they are. Yeah. Uh yeah, I, I would have to say that. Um, and yeah, I, I I guess we, me and you do have fun occasionally with like the hypothesizing and the theorizing, but but yeah, I don't I don't think I I don't think we go that overboard with it. I've I've never been. Like when I think of the the other videos or YouTube channels that that do stuff like this, it's like, all clickbaity junk. It's exactly, and I don't I don't think we do that. We certainly don't do that. Like I, yeah. I you know, we we'll have a discussion about it, but I, I I just don't think I'm that amped to be like, hey, you see this picture of this stick here? I think that's proof that um you know. <laughs> Adam Warlock is gonna be in this now, or something <laughs> stupid like that, you know? Like I, I, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I don't have that in me. It's a reach for sure. I, yeah, I, I laugh at and ridicule the people that dig so deeply and pause frames just to zoom in on different little background details and claim that these little Easter eggs point towards yeah like adam warlock or whatever you know like any ridiculous thing that you can think of yeah i remember one one of the episodes uh i guess it was whatever episode whichever episode it was that ended with evan peters at the door as quicksilver Uh i forget if that was like episode four or five but i i didn't watch the episodes as soon as they dropped like usually I would you know watch it a few days later but I remember the morning the Friday morning after that episode dropped I just went on Twitter and I wasn't even like scrolling through Twitter I I was just looking at what was trending and I saw Quicksilver and Multiverse and X-Men they were all trending and like I didn't even click on any of those I didn't click on them because I and I just turned Twitter off and I was like oh I guess Quicksilver must have showed up in the in the show, you know. It was like I didn't want to hear what anybody was saying, but uh, like after I watched the episode, I uh, looked at what people were saying, and and they were 
predicting that this was proof that Wanda was able to, you know, crack into the multiverse and bring Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men movies into the MCU. And when I watched that episode, I was like, is that really your thought <laughs> after you watched that? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it was just ridiculous to me. I, I will say that, that um, Marvel knew what they were doing in order to generate the level of buzz that they wanted to generate for the show. Yeah, they so, trolled the fanboys, man. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Like, they they knew that if they got the, the, the actor who played Quicksilver in the, in the X-Men movies to be on there, like, they would just have people frothing at the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did a great job with that, man. Yeah. You got to give them kudos for that. that. For sure. And at the end, it's just revealed that he's not actually Quicksilver from an alternate universe he's just some dude named ralph boner yeah yeah i i wonder if uh have you checked to see if uh if people responded in a negative way to that like if people were like outraged at that man to be honest i didn't want to check just because i i already assumed that the dregs of the internet are gonna be pissed royally pissed yeah, and just spewing yeah. the, the worst kinds of vitriol at, at the people that make the show. So I I felt like I didn't really need to see that. So okay. I, I I stayed out of the way of all that. I, I don't man. know if people Smart are man. still talking or complaining about it. You're a wise man. I'll take <laughs> that. You know what? Let them be angry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm with you uh, on that, man. Okay. And the, the other thing I heard people predicting was that Mephisto was going to be the ultimate big bad guy of the show. And I was thinking about that before the show ended. And I was like, man, if they did Mephisto as the ultimate bad guy in the show, that would feel like such a cheap cop-out because there was nothing yeah, to indicate yeah. Mephisto's presence whatsoever. I mean, we said what we said about Agatha, but at least the witchcraft element does make some kind of logic. Like, I, I didn't enjoy it, but I can understand it. But if they just started introducing Mephisto and showing that, I don't even know how they would uh, throw him in there, man. Like, is she supposed to make a deal with him? <laughs> She's supposed yeah. to make a deal with the devil? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, man. Yeah, it, if, like... For all of our misgivings for Agatha Harkness, if they had done Mephisto, that probably would have been like a hundred, if not a thousand times worse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't have needed that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still a chance that we'll see Mephisto at some point in a future MCU project, but to me, it didn't really feel like he would have made sense in WandaVision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm hesitant to try to uh uh, what's the term? Backseat quarterback or what? What? Uh, Tuesday morning quarterback. Yeah, I I'm hesitant to try to Tuesday quarterback Tuesday morning quarterback the the entire situation because I I I don't know that there's a that I have a better way to do it. 
But that being said, I I can definitely say I probably wouldn't go with Mephisto. I probably wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't have gone with Mephisto as as the uh, as the way to close out the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what if what if Mephisto shows up in Spider-Man No Way Home? Oof. And Spider-Man don't do that. makes a deal with the devil. <laughs> I hope they don't do that. Do, you, uh, do they say who the villain in uh, Doctor Strange and the multi, uh, Multiverse of Madness is? Um, is it Nightmare? Don't, that would make sense to me. Like That's the first character that I thought of, but I'm actually not sure. I imagine they're going to continue uh, the Baron... Uh, what you call Mort? Baron Mordo. Mordo. Mordo? Yeah. Yeah. Because they they didn't really uh, finish his story from the first movie, right? They didn't. They they I guess they implied that he was still around to. Yeah, he's hunting the other. Yeah, yeah, he's hunting other sorcerers. Yeah. Uh, so so I, he'll probably still show up. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be the main antagonist or anything, but uh, I'm pretty sure he's gonna be in it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like at this point, I I don't know. I guess I would have expected him to be the main antagonist in the first film, but seeing as how he gave he was given more of a role where he was he was like a brother to Stephen Strange, <laughs> 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 you know. And only to have him turn heel at the end. Um, yeah. Spoilers for Doctor Strange, by the way. <laughs> Man, but, we're spoiling um, Get Out, Doctor Strange, all sorts of things today. For real. But um, yeah, like I, I'm, I don't know. Like after Dormammu in the first film, it's like. It feels weird to go back to Baron Mordo, right? Yeah, Unless he does they, something really big. Yeah, because Dormammu's the big gun, man. They went straight for the biggest, baddest villain that Doctor Strange yeah. has. Yeah. Like The, so the only other like, thing they could do is make him fight Eternity. Yeah. Oh, wait. I wonder if they'll have Eternity. In... Eternity would actually kind of make sense for a movie with that title, Multiverse of Madness. Uh, Eternity... I, I feel like Eternity might make more sense than... Uh... The nightmare. Yeah. Huh. I wonder if we'll see yeah. eternity. That could be yeah. interesting. Yeah, man. I. Yeah, like I, I think Baron Mordo. I, I, I don't think he's gonna be a main villain at all. Even though he's kind of Doctor Strange's. He's like Doctor Strange's Joker, I guess. Yeah. But. Or his bullseye. Or his bullseye. Uh. His what? Doctor Octopus? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but it it just feels weird to envision like okay if Doctor Strange does Doctor Strange has taken on uh, Dormammu and if he takes on Nightmare or uh, Eternity, it's like I yeah I, I it'd be a huge step backward just to have a movie where he takes on Baron Mordo. <laughs> yeah, Baron Mordo doesn't feel half as threatening as Dormammu yeah. or Thanos. It'd be funny if they set that movie up and the the scene is like 
right at the beginning of the movie, Stephen Strange just hits him in the head with a bat and just keeps hitting him until he's just <laughs> stained. And then that's that's the end of his arc. <laughs> <laughs> well, you oh, never man. know. They could do something like that. I mean, Crossbones was at the very beginning of Civil War. He was in that's there for true. like 10 minutes. Not Yeah, that's true. And I remember when they were like building that up, they were... They were like, oh, he's going to show up as Crossbones, and, you know, in all the press releases or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, it sounded like it was a big thing, and it, it really wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe if Captain America had gone after him by himself, there would have been a battle. But yeah, they had the Avengers on him. He had no chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So uh, we know that... Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to have Wanda as a major character. Yeah. Do you think it's going to involve her trying to find a way to bring back her kids? So, if you watched the last episode and you watched it all the way past the credits, there's a there's two end uh, uh bits or I, I forget what the official term for those two are. Post-credit scenes. Yeah, post-credit scenes. And one of the post-credit scenes is Wanda in... She's... Okay, uh, at the end of the episode, she she fled uh, society and... She didn't really, go to the North Pole, though. She didn't go to the North Pole, but she went into the wilderness. Uh, or the post-credit scene shows her, like, where she... You find out where she went after she left uh, um, society behind. And... Turns out she's in a cabin in the wilderness and, um, you know, she's, she's doing this weird, uh, thing where I guess, I don't know if that's like an astral projection of herself or what, but she, uh, what you see is she's in the middle of this weird trance or seance or I don't know what the term for it is and, She's essentially, I don't even know what she's doing, but while she's, she's in the she's process... She's reading the Book of Darkhold. Oh, okay, okay. So she's reading the Book of Darkhold, and while she's doing all that, you can hear the the voices of the two kids that she had in her uh, hex bubble calling out for her uh, to save them. Mm-hmm. and And that's where that credit ends. So... Um, I think the safe bet would be to say that the, that story plot is going to be continued in Doctor Strange on some level. Mm -hmm. Like that, that would make sense. I don't know if they're actually going to do that, but yeah, I I think that's definitely a, a very high possibility of that. Yeah. And if her kids come back, are we one step closer to seeing Young Avengers? Probably. Probably. I mean, after everything that we have seen, like, Young Avengers isn't the thing that... Um, like, the, the the forming of Young Avengers isn't... It's not an idea that's so hard to believe or so out of the way that I would find it hard to... You know? Like... On, yeah. on the top 10 list of things that they could do that would blow my mind, Young Avengers doesn't make that list, you know? Yeah. 
not not even because of like whatever affection or lack of affection I have for the Young Avengers. It's just in terms of the things that would shock me, that I don't think Young Avengers is a very shocking concept. It seems you know? like a likely concept because yeah, it'd be exactly, so commercial. Exactly. Exactly, right? Like if anything, it seems like the most obvious yeah. uh, thing for them to uh try to cash in on next. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we didn't really talk too much about the kids, but Billy and Tommy are two of the key members of the Young Avengers, which were a version of... They were a teen superhero team from about the mid-2000s featuring characters that had, for some reason or other, uh, a legacy inspired by an older Avenger. Yeah. They weren't necessarily related all the other members weren't necessarily related to an Avenger or they weren't sidekicks or anything, but they they took on like mantles that were inspired by the Avengers. Yeah. But so you had Iron Lad and you yeah. had Hulkling, Wiccan and yeah. Speed, I think was his name. Yeah. Those were the two twins. Yeah. Hawkeye or Kate, Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop. Yeah, yeah, she's. They've announced. Uh, I think Haley Steinfeld is going to play her in the Hawkeye TV series. Yeah, yeah. It it looks to be the case, and uh, and they also have Patriot, right? Yep. That was his name. Yeah. Yep. So you know you had like a young Iron Man type of character and a young Captain America type of ca- character, um, a young uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch sort of. Uh, characters mm-hmm. and a young Hulk-ish character. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. he looks like a small Hulk, but technically he was he wasn't actually really a Hulk. He, yeah, there was nothing other than his look. There wasn't anything Hulk-ish about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, do you think we'll see the Darkhold Redeemers? That's a deeper cut than the Young Avengers. That's a pretty deep cut. And it wouldn't surprise me if they try to make a show out of that, you know, like something. I don't know if it's. So I don't know how like any of these Disney deals work. So I don't know if they're going to get their own like streaming show, but it wouldn't surprise me if they put something on ABC uh, that was similar to S.H.I.E.L.D., because Darkhold Redeemers feels like it matches with uh, what they did with S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents it feels of more S.H.I.E.L.D.? Like Shield. Yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I did read that the Darkhold appeared in that TV series. Yeah. I don't so, know what they did with it. I don't know if it even looks the same as it does in WandaVision, but they there was a Darkhold in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now I'm kind of curious to see, like, well, not see, but maybe I'll check the Wikipedia out to see <laughs> if... Uh, or you can check if, YouTube for clips. I don't even need the clips, but I, <laughs> I just mean, like, I'm curious if uh, the Darkhold that was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the same one that they put in the movie, or in, in WandaVision. Yeah. So, uh, also... It'd be interesting to trace that path yeah i wouldn't know how it would have ended up in agatha harkness's possession there was also a book of darkhold in the final season of runaways 
Oh, man, that book is just everywhere. Yeah, and I, I don't know if Runaways actually takes place in the MCU since it was on Hulu. Because mm. I was under the impression that it was intended to, but, you know, those things are always kind of variable, so I don't know if Disney actually still cares about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the final season of Runaways, which is a show that I enjoyed, the kids end up fighting... <laughs> you're going to love this. They end up fighting Mor- Morgan Le Fay. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, that was probably the weakest thing about the series. Yeah. I, I wasn't too into the Morgan Le Fay story arc. But like she had the book of Darkhold in, in yeah. that story. And then like there was this whole thing where uh Nico ended up uh stealing it from her and that's they, the kids needed it to to win the battle against her. Yeah, I mean I was gonna say um like i like elizabeth hurley but i think morgan lefay is just she's kind of whack she's whack (laughs) (laughs) Uh, she's not a villain that i've ever been like man they need to make her work because she she's a she's a missed opportunity there (laughs) yeah yeah I, i can't say i'm i'm too fond of her either but she seems to she seems to always appear when you least expect it. Yeah. It does feel like it does feel like they uh Marvel is constantly trying to make her happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if they're trying to make her happen, but they use her whenever they need to fill a spot. <laughs> yeah. Like we definitely see her more than we see Leapfrog. Yeah. Can't remember the last time I saw Leapfrog. Yeah. Like, I, I can even say that she's been not a primary antagonist, but, like, she's been an antagonist to the Avengers on multiple occasions, you know? And so, mm-hmm. if someone was reading comics, they'd be like, man, she's up there with Kang or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she ain't up there with Kang. No way. No. No, sir. No. Um, what did you think of, uh, Scarlet Witch's new costume for the uh, show? I thought it was cool, man. Like, it, it looks close enough to her comic book, her, her, you know, iconic comic book costume that, yeah. uh, you know, that, that satisfied me, I guess. Like, it, it probably doesn't look as good as I've seen her look. Yeah, but for a live action version of the costume, I didn't think it was stupid or anything. Yeah, it it kind of reminded me like a mix of her uh, of her traditional look because she has that headpiece. Yeah, uh, mixed with kind of the Ultimates look, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely with the Ultimates look. Especially yeah. the, the that darker color scheme. Yeah. And the uh I don't know what those are called, but the um like the, the gray panelings that she has on her sides. 
Yeah. Yeah. That that's that, definitely an Ultimates thing. That's a Brian Hitch yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's reminiscent to that for sure. Uh, okay. What did you think about the other uh, end scene where Monica meets with the Skrull and, you know, there's basically this hint that she's going to go into outer space at some uh, point? That one perplexed me a little because I, w- I will say that uh, the idea of her going into space works for me. Like, mm-hmm. that that's that's how I... I think that's something that I associate with uh, Monica Rambeau uh, and that version of Captain Marvel. So her going into space makes sense. But when I was watching that scene, there was a part of me that was trying to figure out like what else it might have been uh, teasing, you know? So uh, I don't remember that scene fully. I just remember the one agent turns out to be a scroll and then mm-hmm. she basically says something to the effect of oh they need you up there or something like that right yeah doesn't she say something like i'm a friend of your mother's or something yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so i guess is the idea that, that she's going to go and help the scrolls that are in space uh i was thinking either that or she would go meet Nick Fury and help him do whatever he's doing. Actually, I just had a thought, though. Uh-huh. Um, one of the projects in the slate of projects that they've been... that they announced for this new phase of Marvel was... Secret Invasion. Uh, Secret Invasion. So, I... If I had to guess, I'd probably say that yeah, like seeing as how there are scrolls there, like her storyline is probably going to tie into Secret Invasion somehow. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess. Yeah, either that or you think Captain Marvel too? Uh, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm like, not sure I, which one's coming first. I mean, that's the thing. See, is like I don't even know where the direction Captain Marvel 2 is going to go in, so it's hard for me to uh, try to determine or pinpoint what what her role in that would be. Yeah. But that makes sense, too. I mean, she does have a history with Captain Marvel, so... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they take her. Yeah. But the the real thing that I care about, man, is where are we going to see Jimmy Woo next? <laughs> I have a feeling <laughs> we're going to see more of him. I, I I don't think this is the last of Jimmy Woo, honestly. Uh, better not be. I, would it be weird if they put him in Shang-Chi? Just because he's Asian? Yeah, would that be weird? <laughs> uh, Man, that's a good question. Like, on, on one hand, I don't want to argue with having more of him. Yeah. But on the other hand, if they just throw him in there just because he's Asian, <laughs> uh, there, there'd be something that would make me cringe inside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
Do you think well, there's any well, chance we would ever see Pastor Jimmy Woo leading the agents of Atlas? You know what? That's here's what I'm gonna say. Marvel and Disney are pretty shameless about uh, cashing in on their properties, and if that's the case, then the agents of Atlas are something that they can cash in on. So, uh, we'll probably, if there's a way for them to to cash in on the agents of Atlas, we will see Jimmy Woo and the agents of Atlas. Man, I'm yeah, I'm really hoping that'll happen, man. <laughs> It'd be kind. It'd be cool. It'd be uh, Randall Park's time to shine, more so, you know. Yeah, man. Like, Im- imagine if they decided to take the Agents of Atlas, and they made that like this decade's equivalent of Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, like some some team that maybe Marvel fans know about, but yeah. the general public doesn't know about, and they just make one movie, and it turns out to be a hit, and that'd they end be, up making more. That'd be that'd crazy be, cool. Yeah, that would be so cool. Yeah, for sure. I'd be all about that, man. <laughs> nice. What about Darcy? You think we'll ever see that character again? I think so. I Like, my... Okay, so this is where I'm going to make my fan theory. But... <laughs> um, so she... She's a character that has clear roots to the Thor part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Mm -hmm. and seeing as how they're... And she especially has uh, ties to Jane Foster as a character and seeing as how uh, they are going to start doing a new Thor movie with Jane Foster, Mm -hmm. uh, it it only makes sense that we're going to see more of her and it only makes sense that she's... I I think they're taking her and you know the other uh, supporting characters like uh, Jimmy Woo, and they're using them to be the glue for this next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Kind of the same way that Phil Coulson was in that first phase, right? Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah, so, especially early on. Yeah. So I think that makes sense. Uh, and it makes sense that they they would have boost more of these supporting characters in order to uh, create more connective tissue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It would be it does make sense that we would see her in another Thor movie. Yeah. Well, it was great to do this autopsy on Wandavision. Yeah. If any of you guys listening have any thoughts or comments that want to share we'd love to hear from you for now peace out this is between the gutters signing off